Bringing a novel therapeutic to market is an art. Hear Veristat thought leaders as they draw on their specialized expertise to offer insight on timely, relevant topics that impact clinical development, the regulatory landscape, and patient access to these novel therapies. Hello, and welcome to ART Podcasts, Advancing Revolutionary Therapies, a podcast series presented by the Centers of Excellence at Veristat. My name is Kevin Hennigan, Director of North American Regulatory Affairs. I am delighted to continue Season 3, a dedicated series of regulatory podcasts on topics that cover everything from smart regulatory strategies to maintaining continued regulatory compliance to the influence of health authorities on clinical trials and more. Today, I am joined by Lisa Erickson, Sarah Romer, and Aaron Flynn, part of our Chemistry, Manufacturing, and Controls, or CMC, regulatory team here at Veristat to discuss today's topic, From Benchtop to IND, CMC Pitfalls. Thank you all for joining me. Thanks, Kevin. Happy to be here. Thanks for having us. Today, I wanted to talk a little bit about one of the first formal steps on the pathway for the development of a new drug, the transition from academic or benchtop production to manufacture of clinical grade material to support an investigational new drug application, or IND, with the US FDA. One of the questions I often get from new sponsors is, are we ready to file an IND? Obviously, that's a question with a lot of variables in it. But Lisa, are there any basic criteria you would use to answer that question from the manufacturing perspective? So yes, Kevin, from the sponsor's perspective, there are a few top line basics that I can speak to. First, know your product. You need to have a solid understanding of your final drug substance and your final drug product or final dosage form. Second, you need to have an established manufacturing process and consider a strategy and plan for process updates throughout the drug's development. Simply put, know your product and know your process. Finally, and probably the most critical point, is safety. For a phase one IND, the focus is on safety, since this is the first time your drug will be administered to humans. The FDA guidance regarding content and format for INDs for phase one points out, and I quote, The identification of a safety concern or insufficient data to make an evaluation of safety is the only basis for a clinical hold based on the CMC section. So in summary, for an initial IND, you need to know your product and process, be prepared to back up your claims with data, and provide assurance to FDA that there are no significant safety risks from a CMC perspective. Thank you, Lisa. I think that's really useful. Now, Erin, I know that many sponsors choose to hire a contract manufacturing organization, or CMO, to produce material for at least their early clinical trials. Based on your experience, do you have any key factors that should be considered when selecting a CMO? Yeah, so to start, you want to pick a CMO with experience in your type of synthetic or biological process, experience with analytical development, a dedicated regulatory staff, a robust quality system, and the full complement of manufacturing documentation. Other factors to consider are the facility location, which could potentially introduce language barriers, production availability and capacity, and supply chain reliability. It's also ideal that your CMO has experience with regulatory submissions or that you have a regulatory CMC expert that can oversee the CMO from this perspective. Everything used to write the CMC sections of the IND will come from source documents prepared by the CMO. And most have experience with this, but you'll want to ensure that what you get from your CMO is what you need to actually write the CMC sections of your IND. Thank you. 
Sarah, I know one document that comes up with respect to engaging a CMO is the quality agreement. Can you talk a little bit about what a quality agreement is and what it should cover? Certainly, Kevin. A quality agreement is important for analytical and manufacturing contracting, as the sponsor will be relying on the CMO's or the vendor's quality system to properly implement and adhere to good manufacturing practice, or GMP. However, reliance on the contractor's quality system does not absolve the sponsor of the responsibility to ensure adherence to GMP. Therefore, a written quality agreement that clearly defines the CMO's and sponsor's quality roles and responsibilities is necessary to guarantee the oversight and appropriate implementation of GMP at the contract facility. Are there any particular topics that are outside the scope of a quality agreement? Yes, Kevin. A quality agreement should not address the business and financial aspects of the project, which would be included in a separate service agreement. Does the sponsor need their own quality system, independent of the CMO? Well, for a phase one IND, it's not a necessity, but sponsors should review their CMO's quality system to ensure that everything is in place and in compliance with ICHQ-7 or the Good Manufacturing Practice Guidance for Active Pharmaceutical Ingredients. Thanks, Erin. If a sponsor does establish a quality system, it should be flexible and limited in scope with a focus on selection and ongoing auditing of vendors to ensure that the contractor system is robust and implemented properly. Thank you both. Now, all three of you specialize specifically in regulatory CMC. What do you need from sponsors in order to prepare the manufacturing sections of an IND? I can answer that, Kevin. There's a lot of documentation or source documents that are needed to prepare the CMC sections of an IND. And going through a laundry list of the documents needed can be overwhelming. It's better and more approachable if we try to break it down logically into a few high-level areas for consideration, along with a few examples. First, a description of your product and its physical, chemical, and biological characteristics, along with the evidence generated which support its structure, identity, and activity. Usually a characterization report would provide this information. The second and most obvious area is manufacturing. You'll need to be able to provide details on how the drug substance and drug product are made and how the process is controlled. FDA expects to see flow diagrams, in-process controls, and controls for raw materials as part of the submission. A manufacturing process summary report would provide this information. Third, test results supporting the quality of the product. You should have qualified analytical methods and procedures, or SOPs, and provide a summary of these in the IND. You need to provide acceptable limits to ensure identity, strength, quality, and purity of the drug, and FDA expects to see the release testing results for the intended clinical batch as part of the IND submission. Finally, stability data. You should provide information to support stability of both the drug substance and the drug product in their intended container closure to support the duration of the clinical studies. Stability protocols and reports are needed to support. One other thing that is often overlooked is a style guide. This is the document that outlines how things will be consistent across all the different CMC sections of the IND and the entirety of the submission. It's key to presenting a unified and consistent picture of your manufacturing to the FDA, as you most likely will have multiple authors working to assemble CMC sections. In your experience, are CMOs pretty good at providing all of that information for an initial IND filing? 
or are there parts of that data set that are often missing? Well, the document I most often go without is a manufacturing process summary. Getting the CMC sections of the IND written can still be done, but it requires tediously combing through the batch records and requires much more time and effort than if a manufacturing process summary is available. Erin, I have also found that process and formulation development is often overlooked in contract manufacturing documentation. In fact, it's very typical for a manufacturer to provide unofficial updates in lieu of development reports, which typically do not appropriately identify pivotal studies and a lack of definitive conclusions used to drive development. Characterization of the drug substance and its impurities and reference standard qualification are also often overlooked aspects of an initial IND CMC program. Analytical release alone is not sufficient and characterization and reference standard qualification programs should be implemented even in early clinical development. Are there any tips and tricks the three of you have learned uh, over the years or, or best practices to help elicit this information from CMOs or that help make communication between the CMO, the sponsor, and the regulatory team more efficient? Devin, I think one key point is to begin with the end in mind. Having regulatory CMC involved upfront and early in the review of CMO source documents helps enormously with the end product, the final IND application. Reg CMC knows what's needed and what to look for, and when we can be involved in that process from the beginning, it benefits everyone. I can give an example. We sometimes see discrepancies in how data is recorded in the manufacturer's documents versus how the sponsor plans to report the data as part of the product specification. This could be something as simple as the number of significant figures and how final data is rounded, and these decisions should be addressed upfront and prior to finalizing the IND to avoid FDA reviewer questions or findings of inconsistency in the file. Thank you, Lisa. For our final topic today, I wanted to talk a little bit about communications with FDA in early development. Are there any CMC topics or questions that the three of you have found to be particularly useful to discuss with FDA, for example, during pre-IND meetings? So one of the biggest things FDA looks for in review of an IND is the impurity profile of the product. For a phase one IND, the non-clinical studies are usually conducted with an early development batch prior to manufacturing of your GMP clinical material. FDA will look to see that the impurity profile between the non-clinical batch and the clinical batch is similar. So if there's any doubt there, it would be beneficial to talk with FDA early about that. I also often see sponsors run their specification list by FDA to ensure that the release of their product is adequate. Are there any topics that should be avoided? I wouldn't say there are any particular topics to be avoided. If you have a concern with problematic data, the FDA will most certainly have similar concerns. So it's best to start a discussion early on to address any CMC-related issues. The sooner you identify and discuss an issue, the sooner it can be resolved. Though there aren't any specific topics that should be avoided with the FDA, I would recommend avoiding asking general program questions, such as, is the CMC program adequate for phase one? CMC questions should be specific. General program questions may not be answerable by the FDA or could open you to responses that you may not want. All of the questions that you ask the FDA should be targeted and have sufficient data or information to allow FDA to develop an informed response. Thank you, Sarah, Aaron, Lisa. 
I'm, I'm really glad we could get together to discuss these topics. Uh, the transition from benchtop to an IND filing is tricky, and I know your expertise will be helpful to our listeners. As you have heard, Veristat has a wealth of experience in pharmaceutical regulation and can help you develop a detailed strategic plan tailored to your product that will reduce your regulatory risk. I encourage you to listen to future episodes of our regulatory podcast series and to reach out through the links available on the Veristat website if you have any questions. You can also subscribe to Art Podcasts on your favorite podcast player. Thank you for listening. Until next time. Don't miss an episode. Subscribe to Art Podcasts on your favorite podcast player today.